Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch, in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running an Eberron game called uh, The Second Morning. This is a homebrew Eberron campaign. Uh, this show is brought to you by the fine backers of Sly Flourish on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish, you too can become a Sly Flourish patron. That gives you access to an exclusive newsletter that's actually coming out just in a few days for the one for August. And you get access to an exclusive adventure called Regnum Rattus, The Rats in the Cellar. I'm also working on some other projects over there, hopefully, that will be up maybe late in the summer. We'll see. And uh, you get access to all of the uh, all of my campaign notebooks in Notion and access to a private channel on my Discord server. So there are some benefits to being a patron, but most of all, you are helping keep shows like this going, helping pay for the equipment, helping pay for uh, all of the different infrastructure and, and costs that are required to keep this Sly Flourish, the Sly Flourish work going. So thank you very much if you are a patron. Uh, and if you're not, give it a look and uh, enjoy uh, the content that we put out here. So uh, let's see. I've got a couple of topics. So I've started the show. I've started uh, uh, firing up the show on Twitch a little earlier and uh, with the intent of kind of getting people together and we can have like a little pre-show and uh, some questions came up about things to talk about. I've got three topics, but if you have other topics that we want to talk about, we can talk about those as well. Um, I, of course, had all these cool images planned and then messed it all up. Look at that image. And look at that image, artwork. So probably biggest, uh, last, I think two weeks ago, I did a preview of the book uh, Exploring Eberron. This is the book made by Keith Baker. It's his, I would consider it sort of an Eberron director's cut. It is a companion book to the Eberron Rising of the Last War book. It is available both in PDF and in print-on-demand from drive through it's been under it's been worked on for probably two years it's a big meaty book that piece of artwork you see over oh my god i'm terrible at this over there right there comes from everything's backwards everything's backwards sorry uh that piece of artwork comes from uh the book uh, this is the PDF of the book that I have now i have his permission to show the the preview of the PDF 250 page PDF uh, that's, I think it went to Mithril within a, like within 24 hours on the DMs guild, uh, shot up to a Mithril seller, which means it's sold. Uh, it's got DMs guild. Uh, I believe it's sold. Yeah. It's, a, it's the most popular DM guild title currently at, with a $30 price point, which is high, but it is worth 30 bucks. I would go for that $65 print and PDF combo, frankly, cause it's 60 bucks for the hardcover um, the hardcover version, uh, but it's 30 bucks for the PDF. So you're getting a pretty substantial savings if you buy both the PDF and the hardcover. And who does not want, like, this is one of those books. And I, I really believe this, like, this is one of those books that's similar to some of the 3.5 Eberron books that regardless of what edition of D&D you're running, or even if you're running D&D at all, these books will be something that you'd want to hang on to for the rest of your life. Like there's the fantasy that's in here, the, the discussion of the cities and the discussion of the, the, the fluff. I've become a much, they call it fluff and crunch, right? I don't know if that's a, you know, the right term. But you can see I got a mithril bestseller, which means 2,500 copies of it sold in the first day. Uh, which is pretty profound for a, for a price point like that. That is that is an awesome an awesome success, uh, and it's really interesting to think about how uh, all the right stars had to be aligned for this book to come out. That that Keith had to have the time and bandwidth to be able to write it. 
but it was the kind of book that because it's sort of a companion book to Rising of the Last War, uh, it's not the kind of thing that Wizards themselves would publish and make a big book. Uh, but it is, in my opinion, as good as, and, and from, a, from a production, look at this map. Like this is the map of the plains uh, in Eberron. And just the artwork is gorgeous. The, the design is very, you know, it's, it's a Watsy style design, right? Really nice, clean design, clean layout, beautiful original artwork all throughout the book, 250 page book with beautiful artwork all through it. Uh, lots. And what I'm mostly interested in, because who cares about player stuff? Uh, I care about deep lore and it's got lots and lots and lots of deep lore in areas that have not been covered. So it's got a really nice timeline of events that I already found useful for like, I'm, I'm kind of into the Dakani empire, the goblinoid empire. And I wanted to find out more about them. And there's lots of like, when did Sharn come about and when did the King take over Sharn and all this sort of stuff. So it's really, I'm previewing it again a little bit, but, um, it's a really, really deep book. And there is like one thing I didn't, I don't think I really talked about, uh, in the last preview is, uh, character focused stuff. There are additional dragon marks. There's lots of magic. I looked at Connie magic items. That's pretty cool. Breastplate of Karvonarak. Awesome, man. Legendary. Uh-oh. Watch out for the legendary artifacts. Yeah, so lots of you know, lots of cool stuff in here. Yeah, I think is this where the yeah. So there's there's a fair bit of player player driven things as well. Um, new don't yeah. Here's a new cleric domain called the Mind Domain. Um, Artificer called the Maverick. So you know, fair bit of class options. What are these here? I'm going in the reverse order. New racial feats. Um, new races. Period. Dakani, you know, bugbears, goblins, gnolls. Uh, the uh, hobgoblins. Ooh, look at that. That's grizzly. Um, I think there are variants of a yeah, variant Asimar, new ideals. So, you know, yeah, lots of suggested character traits, but even with these, there's a fair bit of the weave of, of lore, right? Um, but what I like is like, that's, you know, 200 pages is basically just lore. And I remember like in the 3.5 and 4e days, late, late, or mid, you know, early 3.5, I was interested in crunch. I wanted stuff. I wanted monsters. I wanted new character options. I wanted, you know, crazy mechanics and stuff like that. And I wasn't as interested in the lore. I always thought like, I'll just bring the lore to it. But now I'm much more, as I got older and I started playing more, and 5th edition really changed my view of the game. Um, that, uh, here's the table of contents if you want to see it. Um, my, my, my drive for lore, I become much more interested in the lore than the mechanics, to be honest. And I know that like, it's very important that the game has enough mechanics for the players to really dig in and, and enjoy progression, like leveling and getting items for players is important. It's something that that's their, their big piece of content. They'll certainly enjoy the lore. And, you know, the more you can kind of dig out the interesting bits and drop it in front of them, the more interested in the game overall they'll be. But they are really interested in watching their characters grow. And so you want to make sure that the game has enough for them to really be able to grow. But from a DM perspective, I want to lose myself in the depth of worlds like this. And this is such a fantastic book for me to to to, to, to dive in and, and uh, really get lost. Um, so, yeah, get exploring Eberron. It's fantastic. I love it. And, uh, people, people clearly really dig it and it's just, it's so well done. 
Um, I haven't gotten the print on demand. I ordered the, so even though uh, for for um, uh, uh, for full disclaimer, I got the PDF copy of this uh, from 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 Keith Baker, um, but I immediately ordered the hardcover version right after that. So you know, I, I'm putting my money where my mouth is on this one uh, because I think it's awesome, and the idea of getting the PDF for five bucks on top of the print on demand uh, is pretty awesome. So, um, what else? Oh, so another, another question came up. This came up in the, in our little pre-chat. My God. Oh, I was like, I was like, has it been 17 minutes right? No, it's been 17 minutes since I started the stream preview. It's been nine minutes. That's good. So, um, uh, some folks in the chat earlier asked about what other products from the DMs guild have I been using for Eberron? And there's really only a couple, um, that I'll mention and the first is, um, uh, I know I use salvage mission, salvage missions, uh, salvage bases and missions is the name of the product. Not a great, not a great name for a product. Um, gold bestseller on drive through and, uh, 10 bucks, but worth it. And what I loved about, so I haven't used that. I haven't used this product for my home Eberron game for the, I'm sorry for my, um, Sunday or Wednesday game because those are set in Sharn. Uh, but I have used this for my one-on-one game with my wife. Um, my wife and I have been playing an Eberron one-on-one game, which is much more like uh, a Sherlock Holmes style game where uh, her and her sidekick have a, uh, a manor and clients come to the manor and offer them jobs. They take the jobs. And this uh, product, let's see if I can find it here. Salvage missions. Can I? This is going to be tough. Let's see if this works. Hey, it worked. So salvage mission and bases is a 78 page PDF, big, big meaty PDF. And it's all about, the intent of this was that you can build your own Adventurers League legal adventures uh, in the Mornland and not only run them for a group and make them legal for AL play, uh, but also uh, publish them. So there's enough material here that you can sort of build your own adventures and publish them and put them, and put them up. And uh, James, my friend and fellow uh, uh, and partner on Fantastic Layers, James Intercasso, worked on this along with uh, Empty Black, Rich Lescafer, Ginny Loveday, Will Doyle, Sean Merwin. So, you know, wow, all-star crew that worked on this. And it shows. It's a really good, uh, it's a really good product. And the goal of this one is to be able to build a base. Uh, you can have your characters sort of build a base and they get salvage from doing missions. And salvage mission, bases and missions. And uh, can build up your base. And then there's different kinds of missions that you can go on. And the, the book has a few. So it has a whole thing about building a base. And uh, what I love about it is it's full of these like random tables. So you can, you know, the, the shrouded hall or the, the shield fortress or the fortune, you know, the fortune sanctum. You can kind of build your own base names. You have a log sheet for your base uh, where, it, where it came up. You know, you can, it's very Minecrafty, right? It's like Minecraft and Eberron, which is pretty awesome. Um, you have your, the type of base, 
So lots of stuff about bases, which is pretty awesome, how to, how to improve your base. And their goal was to make an Adventures League legal system where people could write adventures and could go on adventures, and they would get a reward, but the reward was for something that wouldn't necessarily bust their character. So it's not like you're getting plus one weapons and all kinds of stuff, you know, weird artifacts that are going to make it so when you move your character to another game, you're totally broken. Instead, it's... Um, uh, instead, it's a way to have another reward system, another way of growing your character out by building up your base, you or your group building up your base. Uh, that's kind of separate from the rest of AL, so it, it doesn't matter what you do there. Uh, it won't affect your the balance of future games, but it is something that you can improve on. So that's a really cool. Lots of stuff here. I haven't really dug into the base side of this. Instead, I was really interested. Look at all the base upgrades. I, like I, Lots of cool stuff. Um, oh, look at that art. Yeah, That's from Rising the Last War, but it's just awesome. The Mornland and yeah, beautiful. So then, um, what did we have? Uh, so we they, they wrote a few short adventures to kind of show what happens here. And it's got like these, you know, beasts, and again, sort of random tables, uh, quick play adventures, kind of shows you what it is, right? Three, what is it, four pages? One, two, three, four. Four page adventures, really short adventures. That's probably 2,500 words, something like that. Uh, another one, but then what I really love, the, the spirit train, you know, so a few adventures here, uh, servants of the past. So it looks like four small adventures in here, uh, which is pretty awesome. But this is what I love. Chapter seven, creating adventures. And what I really dug about this is that it's really quick to like randomly generate some interesting, uh, some interesting uh, adventures, right? And you have a couple different kinds of, of quests, you know, and, and here's a list of salvage board quests. You know, what do you want to do? Stop a group of villains that keep emerging from the Mornland and uh, then retreating back out of the mist. Uh, find a source of unique magical phenomenon in the Mornland. Um, you have, there's also these base assaults, which, you know, you want to be a little careful, like constantly attacking the enemy's base or ca- constantly attacking the character's base. I said the enemy as a Freudian slip. Uh, you have the, like the type of material that uh, somebody might get from there. Again, it's that material that goes back into helping to upgrade your base. Um, then you have like Mornland locations, right? 20 different potential locations of Mornlands. Everything from a cult hideout to an inner tavern, cities, you know, whatever. Uh, you have villains. Uh, you know, who are the main villains of this? This is like a villain list that's set about specifically for the Mornland, which is pretty cool. You know, the Dreaming Dark or Undead or Rival Salvagers. They order them on Claw. Um it talks about the kinds of enemies that would be there and then what they would, um, you know, how you can sort of reflavor the monsters that you'd throw there to kind of fit an Eberron style, Lords of Dust, you know. So that's really cool. Then you have your complications, you know, like what happens that kind of complicates the quest. That's really cool. A uh, whole list that this is, you know, we were talking about um, random encounters uh, and in and, and the chat too. And I want to, I'll talk a little bit about that. Although I got a game to prep and a lot of stuff happened in the game. So probably don't want to spend too much time on it. Really cool random, random encounter tables. Uh, I love good random encounter tables. And these are all set for the Mornland. Look at that 20th level Mornland encounters in which like three rocks attack you or a lich. You know, you never know if you're wandering around and lich is out there too. Like, hey, what's going on? Power kill. Um, and then, you know, monster stat blocks that don't exist in the other one. So it's a great, I guess that's a, a good piece of the book. Or, or, oh, maps. Look at all these like general, general maps. Man, I wish this was in print. Oh. If it was in print, I'd pick this up. Anyway, I wonder if that's something I could do. I guess I could print my own. Go print it at Kinko's or something. Um, but, like, I love, like, a lot of these are just Dyson maps, right? Um, and that list of, like, here's a bunch. And then there's, there's some Dyson, la- Dyson maps, but there's also maps of uh, 
that came out of, uh, which are Thousand Maps too, out of Eberron Rising of the Last War. So that's really cool. Um, a lot of good, you know, here's your base log sheet and everything. Really good, really good product. I love that one. So that, that's probably my favorite Eberron, second favorite Eberron uh, DMs Guild product next to um, Exploring Eberron. Uh, both of them really, really outstanding, uh, really outstanding products. And I, 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 I highly recommend them. Um, so the other one is like, there, there's another product that uh, I'll give a mention to, um, which is ever, uh, Sharn, uh, Sharn encounters, encounters in Sharn. This one came, I guess this is older. I recall, when did this come out? This was out when, yeah, 2018. So this is a couple years old now. And the, this was when uh, the Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron first came out. And um, I guess this is earlier than Waterdeep Dragon Heist's Encounters? Um, so it's interesting to see how the authors, and again, look at the, look at the list of people who made it. Will Doyle, James Castle, Greg Mark, Sean Merwin, Alan Patrick, Ashley Warren, Trevor Woodall. So a lot of overlap between what we just showed and this one. And um, the problem that I have with ever, I'm gonna I'm gonna complain about it um, because you know of the potential it could have. The 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 one, and I bet you it works pretty well. Um, uh, yeah. So Waterdeep City Encounters uh, is my favorite. When did this one come out? I think when I talked to James about it. Uh, yeah. So Waterdeep uh, Waterdeep City Encounters again, same people, right? So I can complain about it because it's the same people who wrote it. One of them I loved and one of them I didn't love as much. Um, so I felt like Waterdeep City Encounters, which was originally, and look, it's an adamantine bestseller. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious what the other one is. Mithril. So Mithril and Adamantine. Both sold a lot, right? And um, Waterdeep City Encounters really nailed the, the, the level of, you know, the, the size of the encounter that I want. And the difference is that, like, I want, like, a two-sentence encounter description. I, want, I like big lists of random encounters. I like D100 lists of random encounters. One, one, unless you can do two things for me. I forgot my dice. My dice are upstairs. You can do two things for me. You can either do a mix of two different kinds of encounters in which you roll a D20 in one table, you roll a D20 in another table, and that gives me 400 possible encounter options. That's great. You can also do... Um, the D100 list. And what they did in City Encounters, which I think was primarily put together by um, uh, by Will Doyle. I, and I talked to him about this because I, I actually, I, I squeezed his brain for information when I was writing the encounters up for Runes of the Grendel Root because I wanted to mimic it a lot. And what he does, what they do, him and the authors, uh, what they did for City Encounters is they have a huge D100 list. But inside the D100 list, when you roll a particular encounter, there could be four different possible options for that particular encounter. Not all of them are that way, but many of them are. And it, when I ran it for Dragon Heist, it really added to the flavor of walking around Dragon Heist. It, it, you know, things that happened that were just kind of, again, small encounters uh, really had a, a big difference. Now, the Eberron Rising of the Last War uh, book, uh, let's go here. Uh, it has, um, if we go to Adventures in Sharn, uh, it's got them too. They're a little anemic, that they're a little bit too. So this is kind of the same thing, right? Um, they, these are your, your you know, a whole bunch of different encounters. Uh, I think they're, they're D100 lists, and there's multiple D100 lists for lower and upper, right? And that's great. And then Skyway. Well, there's only 12 because you're not going to spend a lot of time in Skyway. These are, are like one sentence too short, right? 
you turn a corner and notice the shifter immediately puts her hands in her pockets and start whistling, obviously trying to act in, inconspicuous. So a little more. I need a little bit more than that to really kind of run with the encounter. And again, like one sentence more might might do it. Uh, some of these can work, you know, pretty well. But they're, they're, they're enough to hook a player. They're not enough to give the DM what they need to be able to run with it. Right. And I think Waterdeep City Encounters actually gives you the more about like, here's what's really going on here. One sense about what's really going on. And that could really be helpful. Um, so uh, my, my main point is that there's the other book that I, I want to love uh, is the Encounters in Sharn book. The difference is Encounters in Sharn went the other direction where it's actually a book of adventures. It's got 12 instead of a list of D100 stuff, it's got 12 mini adventures. Uh, and each mini adventure is like a small, you know, one session adventure, two hour, four hour adventure. And, you know, that's cool. But it's like they, they, that's probably a little bit too much of a distraction for me. It's probably a little bit too much because, like, I don't mind having encounters like a travel encounter while you're walking through Sharn that shows that Sharn's alive. But I don't want to direct them a whole different my whole adventure off left course, you know, because of this with maps and NPCs and flavor text and everything else. So this one was a little too much. And I think, like. Much like, and I, I actually think Wizards of the Coast is doing this with their adventures, which is very interesting, uh, that you, you kind of have an option to throw a bunch of different kinds of things out there and sort of see what works, right? And see what hits. So I think like this group got together. They wrote a bunch of different kind of encounter books. I think there's more than just these two as well. I think there's Ravnica encounters. I think they recently have a uh, Theros. Uh, encounters in Theros, right? So, um, and again, uh, Empty Black, Celeste Conowich, James Hake. James Intercasso, uh, you know, lots, Rich Lescafer, Jenny Loveday. Hey, look, it's all the same, you know, many of the same people that wrote this. Um, I haven't looked at this one yet. I have it. Uh, that I was, I was given a preview copy of this. Um, so I haven't seen, uh, and, and we're not going to talk about Theros today. Uh, so I'm not, I'm curious how they did the encounters here. Uh, and, and I would love to see more. So I, I kind of wish somebody, and maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm busy, but it would sure be nice if somebody did another sort of encounters in Sharn book. That was more like the Waterdeep dragon Waterdeep encounters, uh, that have, you know, really filled out Sharn. That would be a product I would love. All right, let's talk about my game. Uh, 23 minutes in time to talk about my game. So, uh, in the last session, the characters were aboard the night sky, which is Leto Skull's warship. And, um, it's his, uh, it's a flying airship. And they crashed their uh, – so Zarentir, uh, one of our characters, he stole his father's uh, midlife crisis airship. And he smashed it into the side of the ship. And it was still working. It was still in operating order back then, but not great. And um, he was kind of mad that the rest of the players were willing to sacrifice the ship. And he wasn't. Uh, you know, as his ship crashed. And maybe he was mad that he was losing an airship. Um, but uh, meanwhile, the night sky – um, uh, they smashed into the cargo area of the night sky. They got out. They fought a whole ton of jackalwares, and we ended the session in the middle of a big fight of jackalwares. And one of the characters got kidnapped, uh, or got got charmed and gazed by um, uh, flame touched Valentine Flame Touched, who is a Lamia right hand of Leto Skull, who is the Oni villain in this particular adventure. So um, they crawled through the ship. They faced some other guys. They got into a fight. They, they finally made their way down into the cargo hold of the ship. So there's like a main area like on the upper decks and then they went down into the cargo hold. And in the cargo hold, they were fighting a bunch of tar- um, House um, Tarkanon 
assassins. I got coughed. A bunch of House Tarkinon assassins, and they knew those guys are badass because I run them. When I run Tarkinon assassins, I'm not fooling around. And they were facing Leto Skull, and there was you know a lot of like they were stuck in a corner, and there's they were getting their asses beat pretty hard. A bunch of people, I think, people were dropping. Uh, you know, it was it was rough. Leto Skull was improved and vised, flying around. Uh, there was you know many counter spells to be had, um, but I'll tell you, improved and vised is a great way to not be countered. And um, then I, I made a hint. I kind of pushed a little, and I, I feel a little bad about pushing, but it was like, well, that's I kind of wanted to have all the options on the table. And one of the characters, Zarentir, was there, and he was looking around, and he has he's a storm sorcerer. He's got pow- empowered lightning bolts that they can hurl lots of damage. And I said, like, you, you, you recall that your lightning bolts blasted holes in the side of the ship when you were firing before, and now you see that this big construct with the giant Eberron shard is sitting against the base hull of the ship. And he's like, well, all right. And he's at his turn, and he blew a hole at the bottom of the ship, and it sent the four-ton... Uh, Eberron shard falling through the bottom of the ship a thousand feet below uh, to the ground. And uh, that's where we ended. And and the last words were Leto Skull, who was flying there and proved in Viz, who said, what have you done? And that was kind of the end. And I was like, wow. I, and, and I said for a week, I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't know where it's going. I don't have any idea what's going to happen. That's pretty awesome. Like I said, I kind of pushed. I thought it'd be kind of interesting. It was kind of a fun way to end the session, so I kind of mentioned it, but I feel bad because it's like I kind of handed him. And it feels like railroading, like I wanted him to do it, but I was like, maybe not. I was like, he could have decided, no, we want to keep this shard, and we don't know what it'll do to drop it a 1,000 feet to the ground below. Um, But they did. So uh, I've had some – I tried to keep it out of mind, uh, but I've had some thoughts about where I'd like the game to go now. Uh, So over here – on the left-hand side of the screen, uh, we have my Notion notebook. Uh, all throughout the show, people are going to ask what uh, software I'm using to do this. Uh, those of you who are in chat, if you would continually remind people that I'm using Notion, that would be helpful. Uh, but I am using Notion. This is uh, a template that I use for lazy campaign development, lazy campaign building, uh, that is available uh, in the show notes on YouTube. And I will... Uh, here's the actual lazy campaign template. I'll copy that link uh, and paste that. That is an open template that you guys can use. You can copy it in your own copy of Notion and create your own campaign notebook. Um, so, but I'm not going to the campaign notebook. I am going to Eberron. Uh, so to start off, we go to our session planning template. We click duplicate. It makes a new copy. Hopefully everything is fine on the Notion side. It'd be very bad if it's not. Oh my God, there we go. We drag that up to the top because that's our next session's notes. Click that open. And we say today's date is 2 August 2020. And the first thing we do is review the characters. Uh, I'm actually going to open up uh, another tab. Whoops, no, I want another tab. Uh, And that way uh, we can... Open it up and not lose the other one. Eberron. So these are the Sunday characters. So our Sunday characters include Zarentir Delander. Uh, so the player, Patrick, uh, is is away to this week. So he's not going to be there. Uh, Saber is our um, uh, uh, 
our monk, four, way of, uh, four, four winds monk, a shifter monk. Uh, Shift is our dragon. Uh, she's a uh, Warforged, one of the original Warforged, fueled by um, Kyber Crystals. Shane Husk is our novelist. Uh, I think Shane is also not going to be able to make it today. Uh, he is also uh, traveling. Uh, we have Banner, who is a Warforged uh, f- uh, Undying, uh, uh, Warforged uh, uh, follower of the un- Paladin of the Undying God. And Zarwin Chi Zizu, who is the... Um, me- uh, member of House Civis uh, and Scribing Gnome Artificer. And uh, she is the one that holds the key to finding... Um, uh, she has the key to find uh, uh, the Glass Plateau, which is where Claw Rift is. Uh, so, yes. So there is that. So those are the characters. So we've, we've, we've reviewed our characters. So here's the strong start I'm considering. And I'm curious how people in chat... I always love having a bunch of people in the chat channel to help me figure out my game. Uh, but I'm thinking of starting off with everybody making constitution saving throws. And the highest one is the first one to wake up. And they will wake up in the order that uh, they made their saves. And maybe if they made a save below 10, they are unconscious and need aid. Maybe they got hurt. Uh, and they will find themselves in the snowy banks of a mountain. Uh, they will have been blown off of the night sky uh, they manage to, they, they have f- fuzzy memories of being able to throw a couple of, um, uh, what are those called? Uh, the feather falls to, to kind of soften their blow, but not, it didn't work particularly well. And they kind of crash into the, uh, Snark Knight says Wayfarer's Guide has different DD than 1D20 list. That's cool. Uh, I'll have to check those out. So, um, they wake up and they're on this broken, shattered mountainside. They don't even know where they are, right? They don't know how far away from Sharn they are. They don't know, like, what part of the world they're in. You know, we'll have to figure that out as they're looking around. Maybe I will pull up a map and try to find out. And they will discover, uh, you know, I think, like, right off the bat, maybe they'll get attacked by some nasties. Now, what I'm thinking of, in my mind, I'm thinking winter wolves and a yeti, that it's like up in the mountains. But I think like winter wolves and a yeti isn't particularly interesting in Eberron encounter. So what would be a more interesting um, Eberron wild encounter in the mountains? Um, this is a, the gray. What's the gray situation? I don't know what the gray situation is. Uh, so con saves for everybody. Yay. Uh Liam Nielsen kills wolves. Ah, that, that the gray. So but maybe, but like what makes them Eberani, right? Do they have like cybernetic components of their steam stuff? Oh, samurai frost giants. That sounds pretty badass. I thought there's isn't giants in the, um, let's pull up. So we're, we're starting off in the, in the mountains. Um, let me let me whip through. So I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna set that aside. We're gonna bookmark it and say like what's the interesting encounter that's gonna come in the strong star. So we're gonna put uh, insert. Whoops. Um, insert interesting encounter here. Uh, so I think they're one of the things they're gonna do is they're gonna find a crater. So there's a huge crater. Uh, that where the night sky and they're going to see and the, the crater in the ruins of the night sky because the ship blew up. 
and then I think they're going to find an old Moor hold. Um, they're going to find some old Moor hold ruins. And I think that could be fun. And then if they dive deep into the Moor hold ruins, they end up in Kyber. Um, travel into Kyber. Uh, and then make their way through Kyber to uh, Old Sharn. Um, so they because Kyber can actually connect, and, and so you know, so those are some quick scenes. Secrets and clues. One of them is that through Kyber. So what is Kyber? Kyber is the under under mountain, right? Kyber is the underdark of of Eberron. It is this. You know, it's like the deeper you go, the weirder it gets and the more weird stuff you see and uh, all kinds of strange things down there. And it also it, it's spacey, wacy and timey wimey in the sense that um, you can travel through a, a set, you know, a few miles and then realize you've traveled thousands of miles up above. So it can kind of connect things. So uh, through Kyber, one can reach just about anywhere in um Corvair or the rest of or the rest of the world. Uh, Lack can help navigate through Kyber. Uh, Lack, as we know, uh, um, Lack, as we know, is the sentient crystal ball from the dreaming dark from dalcor a very sinister object it has uh it's, it's both a crystal ball and true sight um and it has a it has a sister uh lack i'm not so used to linking things lack has a sister orb called chris um held by leto leto skull um so Lack and Chris are two very ancient crystal balls. Uh, they're loosely based on the um, the crystal balls from uh, the Dark Tower series. I've read. I'm, I'm like I'm like an hour away from finishing my third read through of the eight book Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Uh, I think it's like 400 hours of listening, some crazy amount of listening, and uh, I, I got the audiobooks for all eight of them, and uh, I'm just about done. And, uh, but I've got lots of Dark Tower lore in my head, which is actually good because Eberron and Dark Tower actually have a lot of cool overlap. So maybe I could do some, I could do some, oh, yeah. Uh, what if they meet like a, a, I think maybe a Warforged Juggernaut, like a, what about a Warforged Juggernaut that's insane? Oh man. Okay. See, this is sometimes you have to take an idea and you put it in the back of your head and you just let it burn on the back burner. And then you go, oh, look, it's a beautiful meal. And in this case, the beautiful meal is, what about a Warforged Juggernaut Yeti and its wolves that have left the Mornland and they're driven bat shit insane? Um, and that's what uh, – so Warforged Yeti. And it's Warforged Wolves, right? Uh, I think that's going to be awesome. So let's let me do a thing here. Um, uh, 
Isn't there a Warforged Juggernaut? I thought there was a Warforged. There's Warforged Titans. Is that the super? Yeah, these guys, I guess, are pretty badass. Challenge rating 8. So this this looks about right. Um, I think we're going to have a Warforged Titan. Yeti. Um, and then uh, Warforged Winter Wolves. Why am I typing that in? They don't exist. Winter Wolves do. Um, pretty good. So we're going to have some Winter Wolves. Um, so, uh, without going, here's a pop quiz today. Um, does my mic sound bad? Am I right? Any mic problems? Hello? Should be all right. Looks the, the levels look right. I'm not clipping. Um, so, uh, pop quiz. I have four seventh level characters. Um, how many CR three winter wolves can I throw at them before it hits deadly? Uh, and I, you can go ahead. Those of you who are there can use your digital tools of choice. You can go pull out your monster manual and, or your dungeon master's guide and use the, 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 the three shells to figure out what the hell the challenge rating ought to be. Uh, I'm going to use my head cannon here four times because uh, I'm good at this. Uh, I can do these. Uh, five. So in my head, I was able to calculate about five. Snark Knight says five. Good for you, Snark Knight. Uh, so if somebody wants to check my math and say how many winter wolves uh, they might face uh, in a battle. And I think what we're going to do is Warforged Titan Yeti. So it's, I'm basically going to use a Warforged Titan, but it can also breathe. Uh, or maybe it's got cold, some cold damage. Um, and it's covered in furs, right? It's like got a Yeti fur that it's wearing, right? And it, it kind of... Uh, uh, Phil Bell says three. Um, I think it's more than that. Uh, I also just thought five, which is based on empirical evidence that I call blind guessing. Yeah, so uh, I'm curious what um, uh, what the other one. Uh, I'm grab this winter wolf. Uh, we'll put him in monsters. Monster winter wolf. Um, and then what we had the uh, warforged. Uh, Warforged Titan. Titans are huge, so that is really big, right? Um, basically, I have four players plus one, and the fight just gets along. Um, I also, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a fine way to go. Well, so my dirty trick, which I think I've talked about in this show, is you take the total character levels, divide it in half, and that's how many challenge ratings you get. Um, you know that that's if you if you have monsters. You know, you can, so in this case, 14, um, uh, uh, you can also add up the levels of half the number of party members, same thing. Uh, so in this case, 14 and, um, uh, yeah. So five is what? 15 challenge rating 15. So that's just about right. I tell you, that's a real good dirty trick and I love it. And it's so much nice. Like we all know challenge rating is a joke anyway. It doesn't really work that well. So the simplest tool that you can use 
to roughly estimate the, a, a, a battle, uh, you should use that one because it's all f- fake science anyway. Like challenge rating isn't really an accurate measure anyway. So, and people love their digital tools. That's great. I'm not against digital tools. I use them. Use them right now. That's cool. Uh, what other secrets you got? So we know that Lack can help navigate through Kyber. Lack has a sister orb called Chris, held by Lido Skull. Uh, another one is Valentine. Uh, this is a secret that came up in the last session. They don't know it. Is Immortal. Uh, she will be continually regenerated at a hidden ancient shrine buried within uh, Margrave Milito Skull. Uh, so they threw Valentine out of a, uh, out of the ship at one point and, um, she didn't care. So they tried, they, they captured her and tried to interrogate her and they're like, we're going to kill you. We're going to throw you out that door if you don't do anything. And she's like, you're not frightening me. Well, the reason why is like, she'll be dashed apart on the rocks below. Um, but she will return. She's, I'm, I'm, I'm giving her, it's a curse that she's got. So she's a Lamia, right? And as a Lamia, she's actually thousands and thousands of years old. But it, her existence is a cursed existence. And she serves Leto because he kind of brought her out of Zendrak. And he did so by, by building, bringing her ruin that she lived in to Sharn. And now that she's dead, she will return in Sharn. But I think she might switch sides. Um, I have a feeling that, that it might be time for Valentine to come to the party. Um, does she regenerate into a different face like Dr. Who? Well, she's a Lamia, so she can shapeshift. So probably not. I don't think so, but she could take a different form. Um, but I don't know that she will. I think, I think, you know, yeah, so that's cool. Um, so Kyber can reach just about anywhere. The, the dwarves of more, um, dug deep into Kyber and battled the uh what do they call down there the cult of the dragon below um what did they face down there what who are the what's the name of the alien right you know if only there was a book that that talked about uh you know all this stuff so da, 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 da. uh the more i read i read it but i forgot it um Da, 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 da. Uncharted domains. Where's more? Age of giants, races, faiths, uncharted domains, more holds. Um. So this is kind of interesting. Dwarves aren't native to Corvair. Nobody knows exactly how or where they arrived. We're just gonna copy that, and we're just gonna stick it right in my secrets because that's pretty cool. Except it doesn't. Uh, I have to open up Sublime. Whoever decided that copy should try to bring the formatting of the text over um, should have their computer credentials taken away because that was a terrible idea. Um, so who is the group that the more that the dwarves of more fought? Uh, you know, I read this book. I really did. Okay, we get rid of that one. Um. The realm below, Sol Udar, uh, was the realm below. The, the con, if they, they, they um, 
faced the Dakan, um, and the Dakani Empire kind of pushed the the, the Dakani Empire pushed the dwarves deep into the earth. Uh, that was one, but there down there they faced. Um, I thought they faced uh, and 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 fought back against the um, those crazy ass. What are they called? Those crazy ass creatures. Um, you know, Lord of Eyes and whatnot. There's a name for him, and it's somewhere in this text. The war below. Daleker, yay! Thank you, Snark Knight. Uh, Daleker, let me go back. Uh, da, da, da. Where they fought the Daleker. Yeah, and that's all the otherworldly stuff too. Uh, Thespius, if you have a little time, you have a little time, you might reveal secrets. Yes, is there a chance the secret never materializes? It doesn't impact or things like can be discovered that will always be present in the game. Yes, uh, Thespius asks a good question about secrets and clues, which is, and it's a common question. I actually wrote an article about this uh, called Revealing. Hey, look, I even apparently typed it in before and misspelled it last time. Revealing secrets. I will paste that into the chat for you. Um, so uh, a big question comes about, like, when you have secrets, like, what do you do with them? Right. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with it during the game. Those secrets may come up and they may come up in lots of different ways. To me, the value of a secret, the thing why, that I think is really powerful about secrets is that they are short. They are focused around characters, getting compact bits of lore into the heads of the character, into the players. Uh, and you don't know where they're going to come up now. So where do you reveal them? And the answer is anywhere. Right. I know. And that's chicken shit answer. Um, and I have a bunch like, here's 20 ways secrets can be revealed, right? Like, you know, uh, this article, I think really answers the question that you're looking for. Um, but I can, I can summarize here too, which is, um, lots of places, right? It could be that the, uh, they learn it from an NPC. It could be that they have a vision. Visions are great. Like, you know, grab your religious characters, your arcane characters and give them visions. If they fail saving throws on weird things that happen, maybe they get visions of stuff. Uh, mosaics, ancient mosaics on the walls are really good. Um, old texts. So you don't know. And, and you kind of want the players to sort of drive what they investigate. And then you drop the secrets in that fit well into the area that they investigated and what they learned. Um, the answer is you don't, you certainly don't, uh, reveal them all. You don't, you can, um, I tend to be able to reveal about half of the secrets that I come up with, but even the other half that I write down helps get my head in the game. And sometimes they'll come back later. Um, the other key, and this is controversial, is I don't save them. Uh, I mean, they're saved here in my notes, but I don't have a database of secrets, and I don't want to have a database of secrets. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'll keep a spreadsheet. And I got 5,000 secrets. You're never going to read 5,000 secrets. And and it, it paralyzes your prep if you feel like if you carry around old secrets like anchors, you're going to get dragged down. And it's better to just throw that stuff over your shoulder, I think, is my opinion. Throw that stuff over your shoulder. Good secrets will come back. I've had the same secret about lack for weeks, and it, because it's in my head, I don't need to remember it, right? I don't. I don't need. I don't need to go research something. If a secret doesn't come back in my head or the heads of the players, it's as good as gone, right? And it's it's ethereal. Where secrets are ethereal, they don't become true until um, they hit the table. 
They don't become true until they're stated. And when they're stated, then they become true. The whole thing about Valentine Flame Touch being immortal and she's continuing to generate from a hidden shrine buried beneath Marguerite University by Lido Skull. That's a hell of a secret too. That's a three-line secret. Uh, isn't true. They don't know. Maybe I just, you know what? She's dead, right? Maybe she never comes back. Maybe the, the way the story goes, we never find out. As far as they know, they threw her out of the, the you know, they threw her out of the, uh, the, the, the side of the ship and she didn't care and she died. And they don't ever know why. That could be fine. Uh, so that's, I hope that answers the question. Uh, let me just make sure things, yes, these are things that can be discovered, right? They are not things that will be discovered. Uh, there are definitely chances that secret will never materialize. I'd say the chance is about 50, 50. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think that, uh, answers. Yeah. That was one of my questions. So if you've got a good secret, can it stick around? Yes, of course. And this is a loose system, right, man? Don't, you don't have to hang on too tight. You, you, hey, use what you dig, use it the way you dig it. None of what I say is canon or how, you know, this is the way of the lazy dungeon master. The way of the lazy dungeon master is make your life easy and run great games, right? And, 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 you know, prep more, prep less to do, to, to run more flexible games. Um, so yeah, that works. Uh, oh, geez. So let me finish up my three secrets here. Um, uh, St. Crane, I see your question about seafaring exploration. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to it because I only got 10 minutes left in the show. Uh, and I've, and I've got, I've got lots to do. So, uh, the cunning empire pushed the dwarves deep into the earth. Oh, I need more secrets. So my, my thought, oh, um, I think, uh, the daughters of Sora Kel have an airship that can pick up the characters if they need it. Um, so one thing is like, they might skip my whole idea is that they're going to go through and travel into Kyber and all that. And I might make that an option, but the other option is they have a sending stone that they can call to Cavella, who is the leader of the desk and say, we're stuck and we don't know where we are. Right. And she's like, well, I know somebody that can find you. Um, but you're going to have to do something for me. And it could be that the daughters of Sorakel, the Droam, and they could get an airship and they might end up going to visit the Droam. And this could be the first time. It could be really interesting, right? Like the whole other chain that this could go through. I have all these scenes, but the other scenes that they could have is that they go and they meet the daughters of Sorakel. And I think Leto's skull is there too. And Leto is going to throw himself at their mercy to say, I screwed up. I was trying to do this, do this for you, um, and I lost the crystal. And these jackasses, uh, these jackasses did it. And and you know, I don't know. So it could be really interesting how this goes. Uh, but one whole option is that they get recovered. I have a cat that's causing troubles. Kitty, you're causing troubles. Um, and she can short out the mic. Go up there and amuse people. There you go. So. Um, uh, daughters of Sorakel, Alido, um, his next action, cause he lost the crystal, uh, is going to throw himself at the feet of the daughter, the daughters of Sorakel. Um, he lost the crystal. Uh, and he has nowhere to go. So he is heading to the daughters of Sorakel and he's going to throw themselves at their mercy. Um, 
So uh, I think that's his next step. Uh, the daughters uh, have their own huge crystal, but it's made of Kyber. Um, now, Leto, does Leto still have the books? I think he has the books. So the only thing he doesn't have is the location of Claw Rift. This could be really crazy. Like, if they end up showing up, um, you know, yeah, it's crazy. So, so fantastic locations... Uh, ruins of more, right? Dwarven ruins we need. Um, and the, uh, throne of the daughters. Throne of the daughters, um, are a couple of locations. We're gonna, uh, go to our friend Dyson, go to our maps, and we want a couple of quick maps that I could use. For the ruins of, I think I, did I use this one? Uh, I don't think I used this one yet. So we're going to grab this guy, uh, save this image to the desktop. And let's see if I can um, we'll go here and we go to locations and we say uh, new, more ruins. I have to actually save it. You can't paste it in because Dyson's stuff is so big. You have to save it locally. Um, there. So I've got my more ruins. I used this for a couple of things. I can't remember. I don't think I used it for this group recently. But I've played with this map a lot because it's like the first one that I go grab. So now I have some more ruins. Uh my game notes go to locations and we'll say more ruins right and then we'll go to our friend Dyson and we will look for a cool map that could have the throne of Sorakal um, this one's not too bad uh, I've used that in another game. We'll, we'll set that one aside. It could be. I'm trying to think. There's Lido Skull's Vaults. I've got that. Um, this one's not bad either. Oh, I think... No, no. I, I, I was going to use this one for... Um, I like this one, I think. I was going to use this one for uh, the Emerald Claw. But uh, I think this will be good here. That This is the hall. It's filled with like nasty war trolls. Um, I think it would be really cool. Good opportunity for some uh, role play. So throne, throne of the daughters. Image. There we go. So now I got a couple of good maps. So I'm ready to kind of. So like a, a question is like I don't know. Um, I don't know really what the characters are going to do, but the couple branches they could do is one that could get picked up by an airship, uh, uh, the Connie airship. So that, um, 
D and D airship map. Um, I don't really need an airship map exactly. Um, that's kind of cool. It's got cannons and stuff. Uh, I want sort of the airship. What's an airship that the uh, uh, that the daughters of Sorakel would use? Or maybe they don't. Maybe they they teleport instead. I mean, teleportation's still okay. Um, although I kind of dig the idea that the maybe they have an old Dakani airship. Uh, the Drome is what I was thinking of, but maybe the Dakani have an airship and they rebuilt it. Um, I don't know. Uh, or they could open up a teleportation. Uh, I think a, or an old gateway, like maybe they're able to open a gateway nearby and um, that they know about and the characters that have to get to the gateway. That might be kind of cool. Um, hag portals. So I think that that will be okay. Uh, so we have Throne of the Daughters. Uh, NPCs. So we have the Daughters. Uh, that's one. The Daughters of Sorakal are a big one. Cavella, of course. Um, we could have a Warforged veteran uh, who got lost up in the mountains and has been working with... like So the um, we have the Warforged Titan. Um, probably needs a cool name. Uh, and had a buddy, right? And uh, a Warforged veteran buddy. Go to some names. Um, North Heart sounds like a cool name for the Titan. Uh, and he's crazy, but he doesn't kill his uh, long spear, uh, will be the name of the. Uh, uh, Escaped in the mountains after the war. Um, oh, Wilfred Brimley. Too soon. Yeah. Poor Wilfred Brimley. Um, oh, uh, I guess the last thing. With one last minute. I'm not going to worry about monsters. I, I'm okay with the rest of it. Uh, is I need uh, to know where they are. So I need a map. Of let's go to the other uh, one here. I already got all that stuff set up. Let's do it. Put that up there, and we need da -da, table of contents. There's a map, I believe, right? Maps. Eberron world. We'll do the continent of Corvair. We'll open that up, nice and big. So Sharn is down uh, at the base of the river. And Leto's skull was flying towards the Mornland. So he was here. So Zalargo, it looks like. Um, uh, along the Howling Peaks. 
in Zalargo uh, is probably where they were. Um, it could be as far as the Seawall Mountains. Um, so let's let's those are two options. Um, what's the story of Zalargo? Uh, uh, desert Zill gnomes. So lots of gnomes. Uh, the Lyra of Kornberg is there. They have temples and shrines. They could all religions. Um, they refer. They mostly stayed out of the war. So that's possible. Uh, and uh, Seawall Mountains. Uh, oh, Dargoon, right? So what's the story of Dargoon? That didn't spell Dargoon. Uh, Goblinoid mercenaries and ruins. This sounds better. Goblins and their kin have always been a part of Corvair. Uh, land is now called Dargoon, once part of Sire. Hobgoblin clans uh, exists there. Based in the Seawall Mountains, the demand for mercenaries drew ever increasing. Yeah, so I think the Seawall Mountains is probably where they crashed, right along here, because uh, they're right. They're they're pretty close to Mornland there. Um. Uh, so I think uh, what is a deep mine? Let's look at that. Of course, deep mine is pretty. I don't know if they ever described it. Sometimes there's places on here, but that sounds like a cool place. So right around Margul, this whole area, they're probably miles north of Margul Pass. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that that's a pretty good a pretty good spot that that makes sense like where they traveled from so uh we'll make that a secret uh and there we have it so um yeah monsters of treasure is a little anemic but that's okay uh i could probably figure some some treasure out as we go uh and i think we are all set so there we have it. Uh, I want to thank everybody today for hanging out in the, in the channel with me. Uh, thank you all for your inspiration as always. I hope you enjoyed today's show and I will see all you guys next week and we will see how things went. So uh, thank you all very much for hanging around today and get out there and play a little D&D.